Hello, wizards. My name is Tyler. And my name is Brooke. And this is Cosmere Conversations. Hello, all of you lovely listeners out there. We are so happy to be back with another Frugal Wizard book club episode. And we've got a bit of a doozy on this one and our next one, actually. Yeah. We are beyond the state of just reviewing the book. And now we're kind of like pushing into the real nerdy aspects. We would be connecting it back to the Cosmere, yeah. but that's not what this secret project was about. So instead, we're going even deeper into the book, almost deeper then the book goes itself. But that's what you're here for. <laughs> I'd like to start by giving a little shout out to Conrad, who has been sending us a bunch of super fun theories on Facebook. Thanks for reaching out and telling us all of your ideas. We always love to hear from you guys what you're thinking, what your craziest theories are. And then we just spend lots of time off mic talking about those theories. <laughs> Additionally, we have Curtis Franks, who's been making their way through our episodes on YouTube and throwing out a lot of great commentary throughout our whole backlog. So there's lots of fun comments and stuff going on over on YouTube. And of course, a very special shout out to our newest patron, Josh. Thanks so much, Josh. Great to have you on the Patreon. Yes, joined at the highest tier level. So thankful for Josh and all of our patrons. But even if you're not going to be a patron, what you can do is rate and review this podcast on any of your podcast listening services. It is still our birthday seasons, specifically my birthday season. Very close now. I would love it if you would take just a moment or two and give us a rate slash review on the platform of your choice you choose we're not picky yes and do it for our birthday but also don't do it for us do it to spread the cosmere far and wide right now let's talk about the frugal wizards handbook for surviving medieval england and all of the craziness within let's go to the mini earths, the earths on top of earths, the dimensions <laughs> on top and beneath the other dimensions. We're going to be looking at what exactly is going on with the technology and the kind of abilities of earthers in the Frugal Wizards handbook. We're going to be talking a lot about the Frugal Wizard company itself, but just kind of give us a background. Like, what do we learn about earth from the Frugal Wizards handbook? We don't know a whole bunch. As we have spent most of the time on this podcast and we spend most of the time in the book on the dimension that John is sent to, not his earth. However, we get a few hints and tidbits about sort of the state of earth at this time. For one, we know that Seattle still exists. That's where John's from. We also know that humans are augmented on Earth now. It seems like each human who is born uh, gets augmented with nanites, and then there's the ability to purchase additional augments 
for people who can afford them. Yeah, it sounds like there's kind of a weird quasi fallout world that's gone on hyper advanced and also selling that advanced technology back into the human body. So a lot of developments in the bioengineering field. Yes. Now, we think that, as you said, this is applied widely to every human, and there's a kind of new baseline for what is accepted, and that includes this, to us, magical technology in the form of nanites, which is keeping people healthy, like it's repairing injuries, but it's also helping assist, you know, white blood cells fight disease. It just seems like the baseline of humanity is probably a lot higher than where we are right now. Yeah, it tells us a lot about the state of things on Earth at this time. Of course, along with those augments, we also have black market augment dealers like Ulrich, who sort of take advantage of the economic disparity that these technologies highlight because they are the most of them are only available to people who can pay for them. And so there's automatically a socioeconomic component to the technology uh, as there usually is. Exactly. Just because the maybe baseline has gone up with everybody getting nanites, it does not mean that there is no inequality. In fact, It seems like there's quite a lot of inequality and that maybe the problems that we are seeing about like wealth concentration with big companies, Amazon, Google, Apple, so on and so forth, is maybe worse in the future with something like the Frugal Wizard Company holding hostage, you could say, whole dimensions for profit. And I would assume that that type of monopoly is maybe going on with the nanite company that has like a deal with every government on earth to inject oh, nanites yeah people. that's interesting there might there might just be like other examples of extreme inequality so just because things are better with the nanites doesn't mean that it's a a communist type of everyone is equal society yeah yeah interestingly even though they are seemingly technologically advanced well beyond what we are now in 2023 they still apparently use cell phones I did find this strange because the cell phone was integral in a lot of ways. Yeah. And we talked about that, like disassembling by the yeah. whites of, of the cell phone and kind of breaking it down to the component parts last week. But just the fact that cell phones are still widely used when you have nanites, which I'm assuming means that you also have the ability to produce some type of cell phone like thing, a communication well, and device maybe... and just put it inside of people. Right. Yeah, I think the nanites are a little bit more basic than that. Yes, I don't exactly. think that like if you are a average or below average wealth person mm-hmm. and you just have the nanites like everybody gets, you might still need some other type of communication device like a cell phone. Sure. I would still think it would probably be embedded at this point. Exactly. But I mean, we can almost do that suspending now. Suspending that. Mm-hmm. We're talking about characters who have the highest level of technology, Ulrich and Quinn, who have all of the augments, who are literally gatekeeping this technology. It seems like they would be the least likely people to be using the cell phone that if they have the augments, that would be the technology that would automatically also work as a walkie-talkie or communication device. I do wonder if they are only using cell phones because 
there is some type of disruption in the way that we now, if we are in some type of exploratory circumstance, let's say, if we're out of range of like cell phone towers or whatever, Mm, we have to resort to more primitive, quote unquote, technology and use radios and walkie talkies and things like that. That's kind of the only justification I can give is like, maybe this is a special circumstance where he's got his cell phone on him because he can't use his other technology for whatever reason. Well, maybe we can also say that just as you describe like going back a generation and technology is sometimes done out of necessity, maybe they are going back a generation in technology, which would, again, be more advanced cell phones than we have. Right. But to them, it might give them some freedom from government oversight oh, or like sure, the monopolistic control. Sure, sure, sure. So like if, like you if have, you're communicating through your augment right, communicator, that it's could be tracked, tracked exactly. in some way. And they're bad guys who are breaking okay. the law. I like that. I like that. So I like what we're adding to the story here. Right, exactly. They're using burner cell phones yeah. because the augments are all <laughs> able to be tracked. This is all speculation. This yeah. does not exist in the this text. This is our all. headcanon. We're going to do a lot of headcanon today. <laughs> yeah. but we'll try to keep it grounded. I think that... The interesting thing is that we have this quote from the text about what the nanites do in almost like a mistake type of way. Quote, my nanites prevented me from feeling warmth from others. In regulating my system, the stupid things stole something basic about human connection. End quote. A wild oversight that you're trying to create a situation where the body's temperature is regulated perfectly and you have these basically magical nanites doing the job so well that to hug someone to cuddle up next to someone would feel like no change at all yeah to your body. like that would be awful it that just, would be awful i don't understand how those types of things it's such a huge trade-off exactly and so if we apply that to every person on earth now maybe when you go through dimension hopping they like jack up the settings to make sure that you are never feeling uncomfortable but this is a quote from john and john came unsanctioned so even if that was a common practice john would not have gone through it exactly he didn't go through like the normal frugal wizard company uh, protocol when he was jumping through so i think we're left to assume that this almost has some vibes of a brave new world or kind of like an authoritarian nightmare might be possible if they're injecting everyone with nanites and then removing something so essential about being human. I don't like that. Like, that seems very bad. (laughs) I mean, I don't think it's on purpose. I think this is just to demonstrate that for every push, there is a pull. For everything you gain, what is it that you are losing? Like, it's always a compromise, right? We see that with our technology that we have now. We have so much more ability to connect and to discover and to learn. But we all know that there's plenty of bad things that come along with our internet and our technology. And let's go to a direct quote from Sefawin about her position and her comparison to John's Earth, because I feel like this is really important. I just described it as like an authoritarian nightmare, but this is how she described that Exact understanding as well. Quote, killing is desperation, not strength. To live without killing, that is a strong society, end quote. And when seeing the high rises and the skyscrapers of Seattle and recognizing that like every window was a home and there was families in there and they lived together 
in a so type, many people right, all together far more than could exist in her society before war broke out or you know tribal warfare whatever you want to call it like conflict on such a scale that it would make what is happening impossible is happening on john's earth and so it really is like a relativistic point of view and situation and we might return to some relativity later as well another interesting technological tidbit that we hear is that Ulrich has a fusion reactor that takes in hydrogen and it spits out gold and gold is no longer valuable on John's earth. I believe it is John's friend, Ryan, who says, quote, can you believe people used to pay for that stuff? End quote. And I thought that was just kind of a funny observation and detail about the current earth. And I'm going to try to do my job of grounding us back to our reality, our Earth, and say that currently we have the ability to do something like that. We can move, I believe it's from lead to gold, but the cost and energy (laughs) resources that are needed to do that makes it far more expensive than just buying extra gold. Like if you just wanted gold (laughs) as an end result, just go buy the gold. And so... The capability that these people have to move from hydrogen up all those elements. I don't know what number gold is, but it's up there, you know, and to produce gold for basically nothing. Like they are talking about it as if this is a free exchange that they are doing. They put in hydrogen, they get gold, and it costs them basically nothing. Maybe the way that some people think of electricity today. Like it does cost us something, but it's so small that we really don't think of like plugging in one device as like, oh no, that's going to break my bill. Maybe plugging in like a car or something huge. But this really throws into a little bit of chaos. Like if you have so much technology, why isn't Earth better? Why is there still so much crime and criminal underworlds? And why are there situations like John's where he can get so off track if you can literally take hydrogen and turn it into any element including gold then why don't we like produce enough food for everyone why isn't there enough safety and security where you don't feel like a need to turn to crime but john still turned to crime the crime still existed and i think that was one of the key tidbits that we get about earth is there are still the same problems despite the fact that they're so technologically advanced speaking of advancements Interdimensional travel is discovered in 2084. We're coming up on it, guys. <laughs> so close. Like, oh, However, mean- the technology is classified and like strictly regulated until, quote, only recently when it becomes declassified and deregulated. So we don't actually know what year John is in. Mm-hmm. But we know that the technology is discovered in 2084 and then some time passes before the Frugal Wizard Company is able to open it up to regular people. I think this is a key aspect in understanding like the goals of the Frugal Wizard Company, figuring out that time gap, which we don't really know. But yeah, it's really of note, I believe, that this technology was strictly classified and limited and now it's been like opened up to the masses in this westworld-esque you know go colonize your own great britain type of way what else do they got working behind the scenes yeah obviously begging the question what else is there 
beyond this tiny sliver that has been opened up for public consumption. Let's dive into just a little bit more about the technology that is present on Earth, and then we're going to dive really deep into the interdimensional travel. Sounds perfect. One more thing about the nanites is that they allow for breaking down of food to the ideal amount of nutrition and calories for each person and what they're expending, but they do have a cost. You do have to eat a higher caloric amount than you would otherwise to power the nanites. And the nanites can get like low on power. I don't think you have to eat more calories. You just have to take in more carbon. Right. You have to eat the correct amount of things. So like if you're only eating sugar and that's all your calories, the nanites are not going to process that in the same way that they would a pure stick of carbon. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how much of our typical food includes carbon? I guess probably most of it since we are carbon-based life forms. That's the way it goes, yeah. (laughs) I think that you would have to like work hard to find something that didn't have carbon. But we see that there are instances when John has not taken in enough carbon and he ends up just chewing on like a stick that has been charcoaled. Exactly. Like that is the most pure form of carbon (laughs) that you need. And apparently... While his body would likely not take in any of that at all, that's what the nanites need. And so when he eats it, they process it. Yeah. And so it's giving you a superhuman ability. Like almost, you know, you become slightly cow who can just eat (laughs) grass at a level that obviously humans never could. But they can gain nutrition out of something that we see as Mm. irrelevant. That's what the nanites allow you to do. But I think what's really cool is obviously the body augments. This is when you're changing someone normal even with nanites, to someone superpowered. And John was given a lot of these augments for the fighting and kind of like underground fighting ring that he was a part of, only so they could be turned off at the key time and he could be defeated. Of course. But these like armor platings almost create a near indestructible. Like he's only talking about danger because one of his plates is not operational. Right. So like he can be hurt and wounded. But But he stops. Does he stop a sword with his arm? Exactly. So he is taking like full blunt metal trauma that would decapitate or, or slice right through someone. And the guns that they have, you know, it seems like projectiles would be no problem, but there might be an advanced weapon that's almost like a rail gun, you know, shooting even harder and more damaging. To get through the plating. There are various types of plating possible. You can have it on your limbs, your core, your head, and sort of the more valuable in terms of protection the plating would be, the more expensive it would be. So your chest and your head, most expensive, your limbs, less expensive. The skin change is, or the skin color change is something that John uses to like prove his godlike abilities to the people of his new dimension. Yeah. So these platings and augments not only serve a protective function, but also have all these sort of supplemental abilities like the skin changing or changing the sound of your voice, which is curious. Yeah. The (laughs) explainer for real world technology doesn't necessarily make a whole bunch of sense. But as we will talk about, a lot of the physics don't make a whole bunch of sense when (laughs) you're looking in detail at this story. There are a couple of versions of Superman that 
describe his powers more like a force field that is around him, you know, given to him by the yellow sun, but that his advancement and his growth in power is really about learning to kind of control and manipulate that field around him, that field of power. So if his power is not there, then obviously he can be hurt like a normal person, but his super force field is generally always present and that's what allows him to be superman but they use this to explain things like how can he fly so fast and not be hurt it's because like everything kind of goes around him and is just like deflected and it doesn't actually like bounce off his body it never gets to his body and i think that's what the platings are doing almost like the platings seem like an extension above and beyond the nanites and so i kind of see them more like a force field and if they're a force field then it's more like Hmm. a cover of skin color change and it's not actually like manipulating the skin of john it's like a a projector putting a different color skin on him okay i kind of like that because i was kind of confused about how he would be able to stop a sword with his arm and like not even his skin would be cut exactly because i would think that the plate would be underneath the skin but then you're still gonna have some type of damage right and we would assume that like the nanites can repair some of that damage and maybe like block it a little bit if you if they reacted to like incoming danger quickly i guess you would have to be a little bit of the aether infecting captain crow to like no damage was incoming and react perfectly yeah and i don't know if we're there so i kind of thought of it as like this force field that is around them and that's what is the next step in technology. It's not just in the body. It's kind of around the body. And then, of course, it's not just the platings, but there's also some kind of embedded menu system. So it must be connected to some kind of chip in your brain, I guess. The menu can be operated by various hand motions, like tapping your thigh in specific ways. So maybe it is integrated with the nanites in some way to sort of sense throughout the body and then connect the systems. Yeah, that is an interesting way of looking at it because the nanites could be operating like the, oh, do you know how air tags work? Like Apple air tags? No. Okay, so Apple has this network of all their phones that is can be operated over Bluetooth. And you and I sitting here with our two phones, Apple, We don't have Apple phones, but we're going to pretend for a second. We can send out a message. Where is my device? And over Bluetooth, the signal will go from me to you to the next Apple phone user and then continue to ping through Apple phone users Bluetooth until it finds your AirTag device, which you have lost somewhere. Maybe it's, you know, across the world. Maybe it is downstairs, but it will continue to like ping around people and their devices until it finds the thing that you're looking for. And then it sends a return message like I am here and you need to travel this route in order to get to me. But the concept of the nanites kind of operating like that, sending and receiving messages across the nanites Mm. from nanite to nanite Mm -hmm. is what I'm trying to describe. They could conceivably have like a little internet or an intranet of of nanites, an intranet. That took many more tries that I'm allowed to be actually in the episode. And that's just the first bit of crazy speculation because we are on the edge of a very deep hole when it comes to the Frugal Wizard handbook. The, the story is obviously built 
on the premise of a technology that allows for movement to a new dimension and from the propaganda or the handbook itself we get a lot of explainers throughout the story about like how this is possible what this means and the frequently asked questions from frugal wizard company users who want to know things like hey wait am i doing colonialism and stuff at its basis though it's a confusing wrinkle to try to understand and you have some questions i do have some questions to be clear i don't think that it is necessary to fully understand the way that this works in order to enjoy the book Mm -hmm. but when you are readers like us who have a tendency to analyze some might say overanalyze the books that we read um we might get caught up on it i know i did not fully understand the principles behind this whole upstream downstream travel situation or how it would be possible or how it would work. So we're going to talk a little bit about this. And one thing that I think is really helpful is reframing upstream downstream to just like hard, easy. (laughs) There is essentially a current like in a river. Mm -hmm. And so going upstream is going against the current, which means it's very difficult. There's something pushing back at you. Mm -hmm. If you are going downstream, you are going with the current, and therefore it is easier. You have a uh, push at your back that's sort of helping you move along. And even though you are being helped along, there is still energy expended to move you downstream if we're in a kayak or some type of canoe you still have to paddle the canoe you are using energy but it's easier because you're going with the current rather than turning around you're going to use a lot more energy and probably not go as far when you're traveling and trying to travel upstream so against the current or with the current hard or easy we're going to continue to try to break things down because it's really complex and it immediately gets into topics that are beyond most people's including our own capabilities and you know professional understandings or anything along those lines let's start with some quotes from the handbook i think this will give us a really good base to work and operate from do we want to start with some river talk yeah let's do it Quote, imagine the dimensions as a river with infinite branches. Choosing which branch to go down is difficult because there are so many, but there's only one way to get back upstream. You also can't sidestep from one branch to another. You must return to our dimension first and then sail down another path. End quote. Now, the analogy or metaphor of movement through a river, I think is good because it gives us this picture of infinite branches and that a single river can divide into many other smaller rivers or streams. But does this mean that the main river, let's say, from which everything is branching is our dimension? Like you, it says you have to return to our dimension first in order to go down a new branch? Okay. Here's what I'm going to suggest because it does help me a little bit more. I want to turn this analogy into a tree 
rather than a river. Do you think you can stay with me? Okay, let's and try I, it. I think that this is going to help and it will serve as like our baseline understanding. Uh, and it gives us a nice like visual image to picture because we can kind of see a single tree, but no one can really see a single river, right? They're all too big for us to ever have a- Well, yeah, to see like the entirety of a river. That's what we need to do. We need to see the entirety of the river. So instead, we're going to take it and imagine- the most magnificent tree, you know, space tree, a world tree from Norse mythology. And it moves in the exact same way about a stream dividing and subdividing into many different smaller branches. And eventually the tree ends with some nice pretty leaves. And so you have leaves at the very top at the furthest extension and down at the soil, you have, you know, the trunk, and then it goes into the soil kind of we don't need to study too hard on like, what's the soil? Where's the dividing line? Let's just say like the trunk, the From branches. The, yeah, the ground up. Yeah, exactly. The trunk, the branches, and the leaves. You still okay. have- Okay, and then is, wait, is upstream up? No, downstream is up. That's the confusing part of my metaphor, and I'm very sorry about this. It's still a stream of energy. It's still the right. stream. So if we're thinking of the tree like, growing up from the ground exactly the tree is pulling energy from the bottom and sending it upward so the flow is going that way which is why it's so helpful to instead think about it think about moving dimensions as against the current or with the current in the tree analogy when you move with the current you go towards the leaves you go yeah with the flow of energy exactly and you turn around you go towards the trunk that is going up the stream of energy going up the current or against, against the current. yeah against the energy flow yes so the question that you asked to start us off is like where along the tree is earth and the answer the best answer that i can get from this book is that they do not know where earth is along that tree what they have a better idea of is where they're selling the dimensions. Well, but they, they know, know that's that downstream. they can only go downstream. Absolutely. That's correct. So there so it is seems a quote. Like you would have to know where Earth is if you know if you have to know which direction from Earth to go. No, because all you're doing is moving with the current. They know which way the current's going. They can feel they have some type mm. of access to a wormhole. They okay. know which way the current is going and they can go with the current. But as soon as they try to turn around and go yeah. down the trunk or up against the current of this celestial energy, they cannot. They are blocked. There's some type the of barrier. The current is too strong. Exactly. They don't have enough energy, whatever the case may be. They cannot go further towards the ground and the soil in our tree analogy, but they don't know where along the tree they are. Right. Of course. Are okay. they, you know, really close to the very, very edges, the very leaves and the leaf dimensions that may exist there? Or are they closer to the trunk? Are they more of a fundamental universe? I don't think they know, and I don't think, therefore, we can know. Okay. So wherever you are starting from, wherever our Earth is on this tree, mm -hmm. we can move upwards through the branches of the tree. Yes. But then we have to come back to the trunk if we want to go to a different branch. Okay. I'm not going to pretend that I know a lot about trees, so I'm just going <laughs> to use some real basic descriptors. Okay. We have our trunk. We've already talked about that. 
we have branches that go off the trunk, okay? And then I'm going to say that we have little twig branches, small branches that spider out and kind of keep extending. And so we have twig branches, branches, the trunk, and at the very end of twig branches, we have the leaves. Okay. Those are my words that I'm introducing here, okay? Yeah. So there's leaves, there's twig branches, there's the bigger branches that connect directly to the trunk and the trunk itself. I think what John's Earth has done is that they have moved with the flow of energy along a branch until they got to a junction point where a twig branch splits off. Okay. And that I believe Runian's world, Sethowin's world, is at that junction where a twig branch meets the branch. So John slash anyone traveling with the Frugal Wizards company, Mm -hmm. you're never going to the trunk. Is that right? Like Earth and all of these other dimensions are existing on the same branch. Yes. And then different dimensions you can go to are just different twig branches. Yes. That is why from that quote that we read, it says you cannot sidestep from one branch to another. You have to return to our dimension first and then sail down another path. So what it's saying is like- Our dimension is the branch. Yes. And then then all of the dimensions are are twig twig branches. branches. Exactly. Okay. I believe- Runian's world exists at a junction, but we have to imagine that like every millimeter you move along this tree is a different dimension or a different possible dimension. And so we are further back up the branch, but there are infinite dimensions in front of that branch. So it's a really long branch and our earth is closer to the trunk of the tree than Runian, but we also don't know what other dimensions exist between us and the trunk. 100% accurate. And this is actually something that is said in the portion of the text that comes directly from the in-world text, the Frugal Wizard (laughs) Handbook, just for a lot of fun there. They state that there are dimensions that are more similar to ours. You and I would explain that as like being closer on the branch, but they're rare and therefore valuable and we don't allow travel there. Like they're not casually gone to. Yeah, they say something about they're under observation by governments or whatever. Exactly. So they're the most valuable, the most protected because they are the closest versions of dimensions to our earth, which means they're is a lot that can be learned and studied and maybe like gained because we would assume that the exact same people might be on those earth. But, you know, instead of one president winning the last election, a different person won the election. And how does that change? Well, you can now see that in dimension 001 earth, which is right next door to ours. But you can't gain any type of knowledge or you can gain less knowledge from Runian's world, Sephawin's world, which is further along the branch into a twig branch. In terms of going up the travel river or going back towards the trunk, Mm -hmm. they say, quote, this is, of course, while we've never been able to verify the existence of a dimension above ours and the dimensional travel river, though gateways indicate that something might be there, not even electrons or photons can make the trip, end quote. 
We definitely don't get enough about the gateways themselves to know what that technology is. Yeah. But, you know, I think of it as a wormhole. Maybe like a Stargate is a you know, famous oh, yeah. TV version. Yeah. But like the gateways indicate something is there. So there is some type of pull or push of energy that is being received by the gateways. Yeah. Well, maybe they can just feel that the energy is flowing from that direction. Yes. So like presumably something else is there, but we can't. The current is too strong for us to get through. Right. And here is where I introduce a little bit of our own world physics that I do not myself understand, but I also think that most people don't understand. Here's a little bit of string theory. In string theory, they have theorized that there are higher dimensions, upstream dimensions from our own, but that they are, instead of being built like ours, they are more compacted. The kind of like basic oh. nature of reality is more compacted. And instead of having a universe where there was a or a dimension where there was a big bang leading to you and I and everything that's going on. There is a dimension of gravity, a dimension of like the fundamental forces of the universe. And that's what's upstream of us. Now here, I'm going to bring you back because in our tree example, that's like the soil. Okay, the soil has nutrients, it has water, it has things that the tree mm. needs, but it's not the tree itself. There is a difference. It's hard to figure out because like roots and, you know, that keeps spidering out in its own way. But there is a kind of element of that's where all the compacted fundamental forces of existence are coming from. And from that, you get the world tree. Well, in terms of physics, the text says, quote, if dimensional physics work the same way in all realities, the chances of someone dimensionally upstream from us locating our dimension are small, basically non-existent. So don't worry about it. Note, while you can use your gateway to travel farther downstream to dimensions that branch off of yours, we highly recommend against it. These dimensions tend to be unstable, end quote. Two points there. First, the one that you read, I think, gives us the mistaken view that physics works the same in all realities. Mm, sure. Because that's something that the Frugal Wizard Company is saying, and yeah. yet Ulrich and other people know about Runians and Cephalon's dimension, which- Where things don't, don't always yeah. work the way you would expect. So there is no real reason to think that all realities are bound by the same physics in yeah. this world tree. Clearly, we have at least one example. And if you have one example in a set of infinity, then you also have infinite examples. <laughs> but then we have the the note, the little bit of side information about moving further downstream. And the further downstream you go, the quote unquote, more unstable things get. This gives us the knowledge that where Runian, where Cephalin, and where any of the frugal wizard customers end up is not the leaf dimensions of our tree they're somewhere along the branches but they are not at the end not at the very end because there's still downstream stuff that the company considers unstable however here's my hot take lagna is from one of those downstream dimensions she's oh. from something like the leaf dimension and does she, has... she say wait does she say that they traveled 
up against the current. Straight? Yes. They traveled against the current. Yes. She moved oh. her and Woden. We might even assume other characters we haven't met, but her and Woden hmm. moved against the current from something like the leaf dimension up the twig branch mm -hmm. until she had to stop at so maybe this dimension. There is a weakening of the current as you get further away from the trunk and then the current gets stronger the closer that you get to the trunk and that sort of carries through in all aspects. I think that that's a really good connection. It's also something that theoretical physicists talk about for oh. like us moving to a higher dimension. We don't necessarily have the energy to do that, even though we might have the energy to move downstream So then dimensions. it seems like Earth mm -hmm. in this book, right. Earth would exist probably closer to the trunk or at least closer to like a branching point because the current is so strong that they can't go the other way at all. Right. Whereas Lagna and Woden were able to at least travel against the current to some extent. Exactly. I think that there is maybe a dual aspect going on that John's Earth exists at a junction point. Maybe that's branch to trunk. Maybe that's just another twig branch to stronger branch yeah. to bigger branch. But it's the exact same junction point that exists for Cephalin, Runians, Elston, and now Logna's world, that that type of person, an entity on that twig branch, cannot progress further against the current, cannot progress further upstream because maybe of a change in the laws of physics. Oh. That would represent a big enough change that whatever you had going for you simply cannot progress. So when we say... The Frugal Wizard Company says not even photons and electrons can get higher. Uh -huh. That's what Lagna is. She was traveling like a photon and an electron. Oh. And then she ran into the wall, the barrier, which is the junction point along the tree. And so she can't move from twig branch to branch because the technological leap or their energy required is too yeah. great. So and then there is also this idea that you can't bring any physical items with you when you come back to Earth. They say, quote, you can't bring anything back. We recommend you keep your original clothing for visits home. As explained in Section 4, the boring science stuff, dimensional offshoots have less substance. They aren't quite as real as our dimension, end quote. I'm not sure how much I believe this mm -hmm. from the Frugal Wizard Company or if they are simply saying this to discourage people from bringing back, you know, valuable items and getting rich in that way. Yeah. Again, I find it weird that anyone could, quote unquote, get rich in a society that has technology that can like create gold from hydrogen for no energy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. However, there does seem to be like some fear and clearly like a criminal element where maybe you just need to get rich enough to find your way to your own dimension where then you can be a god and that's like right. the goal yeah. instead of just like living a happy human life and it's now they all seem about... to be fine with that they just don't want you to come back to their earth with some kind of power they definitely don't want that and that is why i think the frugal wizard company exists is that it's a experiment going on on john's earth for 
how can you increase the ability to travel through dimensions? The Frugal Wizard Company is allowed to send you to a twig branch far downstream that functionally only has this medieval vibe going on. Right. But all the dimensions closer in between wherever Earth is and that twig branch that the Frugal Wizard Company owns, there are infinite dimensions which could be far more profitable, valuable, important. You could conceivably like get rich on our Earth, step one Earth over, right. and then use your wealth in the exact like same way. And it's not going to feel like you're going to a medieval England and you have to like conquer people. It's going right. to feel like you... Uh, the only difference is that we have like giant iguanas instead of dogs or something. <laughs> exactly. It's a one small change and you can get over that because you're allowed to like manipulate the stock market because the exact same companies exist in the dimensions that are closer. Right. And so if you know XYZ from our dimension, you can go abuse that one dimension over. So is there a time element of like the further along the branch, the further with the current downstream that you go, the further back in time, in quotes, you're going? Like they, John has gone far enough down the branch that he got into the Middle Ages. But if he went, you know, half that distance, he would be whatever in the 1600s. Okay. I want to be as clear as I can based on my understanding. I'm going to sound more authoritative <laughs> than I actually feel. But from my understanding, we all as readers need to let go entirely of the concept of time. For the purposes of this story, time is universally across all dimensions exactly the same. There is no traveling through time as far as I understand it with this technology. The only thing that exists is moving dimensions and you are going... Isn't time a dimension? <laughs> it is. Yes, yes, yes. We understand time as a dimension. It's normally called the fourth dimension and you have your, your basic three dimensions that we live in, the fourth dimension being time. However, for the purposes of this story, when you have the world tree going on, I think that we can take a classical interpretation of time, which is just there's a big clock going for everyone at exactly the same time everywhere. And that is applicable to every single dimension seemingly upon the world tree, which is weird. Mm. Hold on, hold on. It's weird because John's Earth, if it is our Earth, we've moved beyond that type of classical understanding of time. Einstein came along with relativity, special yeah. relativity yeah. that changed that understanding. We have even gone further in the last century with our understanding of the nature of time. Mm -hmm. It definitely is not like that. What I just described, a big clock that is spinning for everyone right. yeah. is not accurate. Yeah. But in this story, time is not messed with. And so I think that it mm. is... Sure. What we understand as time or the questions that theoretical physicists and, you know, the big thinkers are asking about time is what Brandon is asking about dimensions. And he is using dimensions in a more fun way to talk about, quote unquote, time travel. Yeah, because he didn't want to get into all the issues that come up when you talk about time travel. Right. He invented new issues when you talk about dimension travel. <laughs> yeah. But so that's what I think we need to understand is that like, 
a lot of what we understand about time to be as accurate as people can understand things about time is what Brandon is playing along with dimensions. But for the people in these worlds, time seemingly is operating all the same, yeah. which is what I mean when I say, no, as you move along the branch, no time is taking place. Time exists within a dimension, but it doesn't exist between dimensions. Right. So when you move from our earth to the twig branch, Runian and Cephon's world, you're not jumping in time. You're simply moving to a dimension where earth people have not advanced as quickly through time as we did. So they're stuck in something like the 600s, but technically speaking, they are at the exact same point in time. Right. So this is then more, for me at least, more accurately conveyed by like the stack of paper analogy that each dimension is a stack of paper. They're stacked on top of each other. And when you travel between them, you are sticking a pencil down into the stack of paper so that time exists all the way up the pencil the same. You are merely in a different dimension at the same time. Right. I think that that is correct, is that these dimensions exist at the same time, but they have dimensions specifically selected for the Frugal Wizard Company where the humans on those planets have simply not advanced as far, but it's similar enough so you can kind of guess how things are going to go. Yeah. But we also see the differences with Frugal Wizard Company straight up saying, like, sometimes the Norse people conquer all of Europe. Sometimes there is Middle Eastern influences that we did not feel the same way in our own universe and infinite varieties after that. So leave behind conversations of time because Brandon has changed those conversations <laughs> to be about dimensions instead. What is at least of note and interesting is that many of the most basic and fundamental equations in physics do not have a difference if you have positive time, time moving forward, or negative time, time moving backwards. The equations operate correctly regardless of which direction time is flowing, and this is known as time symmetric. The equations don't care about if time is going forward or backwards, positive or negative. I bring that up because there may be an element of dimension symmetry for the restrictions that the frugal wizard company is talking about when they're saying you can't bring things back Mm -hmm. or that things downstream further along the branches are less stable. Mm -hmm. They may be less symmetric with our dimension. I agree with you that that there can't be like a physical limit on any type of movement of things from a lower dimension, a downstream dimension, back to our Earth. Because what if John was to travel there and put on 20 pounds or or lose weight or whatever? Like he's changing. Like if the human can get through, then what would be different about a piece of clothing? 100%. They're just atoms, right? Yeah. And so if he can add mass, add atoms by bulking up or or whatever and travel back to the earth and it doesn't immediately get ripped out of his body and and just like a horrific, (laughs) uh, you know, terrible science experiment, just like, oh, Whoops, we should have sent the dog first or we you know we should have uh, tested this on non-human animals. Uh 
obviously that's not happening. There's not some horrific explosion of extra mass that's been added. And therefore, my explanation is that there's some element of like dimension symmetry. And the further downstream you get, the further away from our dimension you get, the less dimension symmetric things are. And it's, again, harder. It's like the energy increases to bring that stuff forward which Brandon has played around with in the Cosmere with things like investiture moving from the planet that it is from. It gets like heavier. It's weighted more. And it's more difficult to get Stormlight off Rashar than it is to just move Stormlight around Rashar. The further you get, the more like heavy it gets. I think that's what's happening with stuff from downstream dimensions mm. is okay. that like we can but it costs us energy and we don't want to expend that energy mm. on yeah. this frugal wizard tourism company experiment but maybe government connection thank you that was helpful excellent i think that maybe governments would have no restrictions from that like again for example if you want to get rich and you read a newspaper article about how gold was discovered in let's say, California, a big gold rush has started. Mm-hmm. You travel one dimension over where the gold has not been discovered, but you're going to know that that gold is in the same spot. However, it might be extra heavy to bring back. Right. You'd still expend the energy to bring it back if it made you more money in our dimension, which is kind of like what was going on with the lottery. It's the most limited amount of data that you could somehow get from a dimension and bring back to our world. It's just sure. knowledge. Because it's, yeah, just information. Rather than something physical. A physical physical. item. Exactly. That's what I think. And there's been a lot of speculation on 17 Shard, Reddit, and some other sources. User Oltuck72 on the 17 Shard had lots of fun, not Cosmere economic questions, but <laughs> I, you know, focused down on the economy aspects as well of like how this technology could be used probably on dimensions that are closer along the branch. And while tourism is like the obvious one yeah. that we see, you also have things that could be done, for example, like filming a movie in a dimension of your choosing that like got you, you know, instead of James Cameron needing to invent the technology to produce Pandora, he might oh. actually just be to, able to go to Pandora or a dimension with a Pandora-like planet, hmm. and then he could film there return to our world and show that to people like a the most epic movie slash documentary ever well i don't know if you could get to another planet but for example if you wanted to film woolly mammoths and you could get to a dimension where woolly mammoths did not go extinct or you know real jurassic park or something 100 yeah, yeah exactly you go that would for, be cool you go to a specific dimension where they are in their Jurassic period. And that has to exist just like all of the dimensions that have medieval Englands that exist. And so those types of things could be explored. They said, you know, from an economic perspective, if there is some type of fusion waste or, or nuclear waste in John's world, you could conceivably just take that to an Earth unpopulated. You know, what if like oh. a meteor hit a certain dimension's sure, Earth? Sure, yeah, I long think that is stated in the text that there are some uh, worlds where, yeah, it's just 
destroyed, basically. So you just throw your trash into the gateway to that dimension. Mm. All of a sudden, you have like sure. infinite trash dump that doesn't then pollute not our bad, planet. Not bad. <laughs> there might be some benefits there for you know that Pacific garbage patch. We could just pick it up and just toss it into a dimension where there is no ocean on an Earth. Right. There is also the idea, like you were saying, you can bring information back from a different dimension. So you could potentially outsource your research and development to another dimension, experiment, discover things in a different dimension, and then bring that knowledge back to our dimension. So kind of similar if there's some sort of a bad side effect maybe of the things that you're testing, you can test it somewhere else and then you don't have to worry about it, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) It definitely depends on the dimension that you're going to. Clearly, if you're just going to a dimension to torture people or, you know, experiment what dropping hydrogen bombs on big cities looks like, that is, quote unquote, possible. And the Frugal Wizard Company has explainers throughout the text about how, well, this doesn't matter because we had a hundred or a thousand different philosophers and people all agree that morals and ethics cannot exist in the dimensions we are sending you to because they're different dimensions where not even the laws of physics might be the same. And if the laws of physics aren't even the same, then certainly morals can't be the same. That's their argument. That's what they say. I don't think you and I would make that same argument or treat people poorly, but they are saying that any dimension, no matter how similar to our own, is functionally a whatever-you-want-to-do playground. And that's because they say you're going downstream and therefore those dimensions have, quote-unquote, less substance and are, like, less real than our supposedly our dimension is right but if you cannot predict where you are along the world tree then it is hilarious to assume that upstream or downstream from you is more or less real the only justification that the frugal wizard company might have is that when you travel downstream those dimensions cannot impact our dimension because they're downstream of us. Yeah, but obviously there are ways that we impact that dimension. Definitely. Even unintended, as we see in the book, with Earth people impacting the magic and the whites that exist on that dimension. Exactly. And I have the remaining question. If the world that Lagna is on, Cephalin's world, is, as I was talking about, at a junction point from a twig branch to a main branch or just to another twig branch, if it's at that junction point. And that's why Lagna had to stop, that she ran into a barrier like photons and electrons do and is unable to progress. Is everything on that twig branch impacted by the weird? Is everything downstream from Runian's world all impacted by the weird? Or Is it only around this dimension? Hmm. Does it only exist in this particular circumstance where there's like energy traveling from the main branch to the twig branch in such a way that it creates a weird? It creates like some type of, you know, flow of energy in a circle. A vortex. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking about. Or is everything downstream, including Lagna's homeworld, home dimension, 
all impacted by the weird. I, I mean, don't know. they at least say that this is the only dimension that they've found that has anything like that. Right. But if it is the junction point that they've got to and they didn't push further downstream. Well, I don't know why they wouldn't have gone further downstream. You know, like that is the dimension that humans from Earth are allowed to travel. I think that stands to reason that there are plenty of other humans that have been sent to other dimensions further down that branch. That would make sense, except for the fact that the Frugal Wizard Company states that their technology, their gateways, is not specific enough to purposefully select dimensions. They can get you like a general uh, a bell curve of sorts like they know with a 90 percent degree of certainty that they are sending you towards a twig branch that is likely going to yeah but they might have with the specific cephalin world that we end up on they might have like gone to a new twig branch that they their machine has not sent anyone past it may be unable to continue sending people downstream that far yeah i mean anything is possible certainly and that's we we don't know i just think that it is an interesting thought experiment that if lagna came from downstream was her dimension and all other dimensions impacted by the weird because that may be the explainer for why the frugal wizard company doesn't want people bringing back stuff from all the different branches and twig branches that they own into our main branch and our dimension. Because once you do that, there may be consequences downstream. You might mess up their dimension hopping ability if you change too much about our dimension because it might impact everything downstream. I don't know if this is accurate. This is my final big speculation is that you may have the ability to change impact and adjust all the dimensions that are downstream of you and therefore that's why the frugal wizard company is so restrictive on this technology they don't want people too close to our dimension because the consequences are for every downstream dimension yeah i mean i think there are myriad reasons why there are restrictions on this kind of technology i think most of them are not probably out of concern for other dimensions right clearly i just said that they like don't care about them at all from an ethical or moral standpoint but we've gone all the way down the branch out onto the tippy tips of the leaves let's bring it on back to our own dimension this has been an incredibly dense episode I'm glad that we dove in and kind of sorted some of these things out that provide the background and backdrop of this book. Hopefully it was helpful for some other people too, kind of to wrap your brain around how this is all supposedly working. Next week, we're going to pick back up with some more, a little bit fluffy, fun topics, theorizing now that we've established our baseline Now we can theorize about all the things that might be possible. For example, if there is a world tree, is the Cosmere somewhere along these many branches? (laughs) And we are so appreciative of you. Thank you so much. Come back next time for the conclusion of the Frugal Wizard Handbook. And until next time, life before death. Strength before weakness. Journey before destination. Journey before destination.